Welcome to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans with Kirsten Johansson. Kirsten and her guests are here to help you stop struggling with your own self-acceptance and teach you how to love yourself unconditionally. Now, here's Kirsten. Welcome to GTO Freedom for Humans, where we talk about the ways in which we as humans can free ourselves from suffering by practicing unconditional love, acceptance, and compassion for ourselves. I'm Kirsten Johansson, your host. Ooh, that was exciting. Uh, I'm here in Europe, and uh, I know y'all just change your clocks in the U.S., and um, they do it two weeks later here. So, you know, I don't know how that all works, but um, I, you know, so for two weeks, I'm plus eight. Uh, from the Pacific uh, coast of the U.S. And, and then I go back to plus nine. So I was just working away, writing away. And I saw that, uh, yeah, the engineer had joined joined the meeting. And boy, did I just hit the hallway at a dead run <laughs> uh, to get here and do the show. My goodness. So, um, you know, this is where, you know, this is a great example, right? I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to say any kind of mean things to myself. None of that. I'm just going to say, well, mm, that was really exciting. And um, boy, I better uh, keep my eye on that time, uh, especially when we have uh, changes and things. So anyway, I think I've caught my breath and I'm really happy to be here with you today. Uh, we've been doing uh, a number of shows over the course of the last mm, probably six weeks or so, I, I pepper in some guests uh, with my solo shows. I tend to maybe do two solos and, and two guests um, a month or so. And so in my solos, um, the last few have been really about the process of inviting and practicing self-love in your life. And I decided to do that if you're, um, you haven't listened to any of those shows and you're just catching it today. I decided to do those because uh, one of the main questions that I get and that I see when I interact with people, um, typically online, um, and also people that I meet with individually, is, you know, how do I how do I actually get there? How do I get from where I am now and what am I experiencing now to where I want to be and what I want to be experiencing and what I you know the way in which I want to be in my life? So. Um, that is what I have chosen uh, for these solo shows. So we've covered a number of steps. Actually, we've covered seven steps so far, and I'm going to cover a couple more with you. Um, let me go. Interesting uh, thing with my computer. Okay. Um, I'm going to uh, cover a couple more with you today. I am going to just briefly go through the first seven in case you're just catching the show today or you would just like a little refresher before we move on to these later uh, practices. And I do want to say, you know, as I was writing this today and um, thinking about these steps, and they are in the book that I'm writing as well, as I'm writing that, I'm really thinking to myself, these are these are big. Um, these are big steps and big practices to bring into your life. So, you know, when we're talking about, you know, step eight, you know, which is kind of what we're on today, those first seven steps are really substantial. So if you have started this work and you're and you're thinking, wow, this is this is a lot. This is, you know, I'm still working on my freedom project, which is step one, or I'm still kind of cultivating my guiding principle, which is step two. That is that is completely fine. That is completely normal. Um, these things take a while and they take quite a bit of practice. So um uh, before I just start these, I'm going to just cover my, I do a few quick things, a few quick announcements in the beginning in case I run out of time. I did a show last week with Lindsay McCowan um, and it was called um, Your Your Body and Your Size Are Not the Problem, I believe. I'm paraphrasing, so I might, that might not be exact. It was such a fun show. It was just, it was fun to be a guest, first of all. Um, Lindsay is awesome. Her show is really fun, and we really got into um, food and bodies, particularly as they pertain to women um, in our society. Um, it's pretty rough, um, actually, to be to be anybody, but most particularly to be a woman, and um, to to think that we have to meet these um, silly uh, beauty standards that are really just made up. So that was a really fun show. 
And I'm also next week, I'm really excited to bring you um, the show next week. My mom uh, is 80. And I was thinking about, you know, what, what, what should I do for her birthday? And, you know, sometimes I write her letters or try to do kind of special things that aren't about buying a gift or whatever. Um, and I thought, well, God, she's so inspirational and she lives her life in such a fun way. And, you know, she's not somebody who hasn't been through difficult situations and losses and those kinds of things, but the way in which she handles them and, and, um, really just steps into her life, um, is, is inspirational to me. And I thought it might be to other people as well. So, um, that show will air next week. Um, and it's a fun one. Okay. So on to our self-love project. And, um, as I said, I'm just gonna kind of zip through the first seven to give us some context. And then I'm going to move into resentments and boundaries. So a couple of pretty, uh, I don't know, a little icky, a little sticky, a little difficult, but so incredibly important to our project and our process. Um, and ultimately the freedom, um, that I know I wanted so badly. I just wanted, um, to be freed, uh, from suffering and from the, you know, the patterns in my life that seem to be happening over and over, even when, I would change something, uh, the patterns seem to remain. So um, the first step is to identify your freedom project. And the reason that we call it a project is because it is it is um, kind of a biggie in terms of, um, you know, bringing self-love into your life. It does require practice in pretty much every area of life. And part of that project is to realize that the challenges that arise in your life are here as opportunities. They're opportunities to practice. And when we get further along in the show today um, and talk about our resentments and boundaries, I'm I am having an opportunity to practice right now. And I'm going to be telling you about that. Um, it's pretty raw. It's pretty raw and pretty current. And, you know, we tell the truth on this show and that's what it's really about. So um, I'm going to tell you about what I'm going through. Um, so when when a challenge arises, um, I know that even I, of course, um, at this point, I still I still do this. I do sometimes bemoan it and say, no, no, not this. I don't want this. This is not right. I want I want the easy life, and you know that's not life. And um, kind of trying to push it away or wish it away actually brings suffering. Uh, versus accepting it and thinking, hmm, I wonder what this person or situation is here to teach me. And taking a deep breath and remembering all of the practices that I know to do to help me to work through a challenge. So identify your project, know that your challenges are there as opportunities to practice, and name your guiding principle. That's step two. So uh, your principle um, can be a mantra. Um, they can be the same thing, or you can use mantras uh, to support your guiding principle. My guiding principle came ultimately from the Sherry Huber book called uh, Regardless of What You Were Taught to Believe, There Is Nothing Wrong With You. That's the whole title of the book. And um, that was really life-changing to me. And so my guiding principle is I accept myself um, as I am unconditionally, um, no matter what, no matter where, no matter what's going on. Um, that's my guiding principle. And as I was working on my book, I was um, creating just some examples of different kinds of mantras that can be used. Um, and again, they can double as your guiding principle, or they can be ways that you can bring yourself back to it, back to your true north, um, ways that you can disrupt um, intrusive thoughts or behavior patterns. And the one that I chose just as an example for today is um, you can trust me and I've got your back. And, you know, you're speaking to yourself. I'm speaking to myself when I, when I say that mantra. And I developed that a little bit later in my process. And I realized that part of my experience with self-hate in my life was that I I didn't have my own back. Um, I you know I was empathetic and 
um, and giving and also pretty codependent on top of that. And so I didn't really realize that I was crossing the line and giving more than what I actually had to give and that I was I was leaving myself vulnerable and not having my own back. And I ultimately, you know, had to go through um, some work in order to realize that and realize my my part in things and and ultimately to kind of forgive myself um, for not, you know, not protecting myself um, when I needed to be protected. So that's step two. Step three is about your ideal image. And um, we all typically have an image um, that forms, mm, it depends. Um, it can be, you know, I spoke to Meadow DeVore last week and I was musing that all of us maybe have something, something early in life that we can go back to that that anchors us and ties us to our real self um, before we sort of start taking on and believing those messages about who we have to be. And, you know, for her, she was like, yeah, not really, not really. She, she had nothing to really go back to and was able to call it memories um, that were just pretty painful from when she was as young as four years old. So you may or may not have a sense or a flash or a connection to your true self because we do begin to develop our image very early because we want to be accepted um, and we want people to like us and we want to be included and we want to belong. And often we think that we have to be a certain something in order for that to happen. And so when we get to this point in life, it can be um, pretty sticky and confusing to unravel what is your image um, or your formed personality or your persona versus what is your real self. And it's important to parse those out because we want to feed the latter. We want to feed the real self. We don't want to feed our image anymore, our persona. And I think, you know, I probably thought before, I mean, I fed my, oof, I fed my image um, like crazy, truly. I, I, I mainly fed my image. I didn't um, feed my my real self very much, a little bit, a little bit um, I did, but n- not a whole lot. And so for me, I, I really did crack my brain open when I realized, wow, all these things that I'm doing and these things that I believe and I think and that I think are so important and that I'm putting my my time and my energy and my emotions and my money into were image. Um, they were image because I I really did want to be accepted and I wanted to belong and um, you know that's sort of been a theme in my in my life. I I kind of always felt um, like you feel when you walk into the first day of a new school year and you look around homeroom. And you don't see anybody that you know, and you don't see any friendly faces, and you're not sure where to sit, or you walk into the cafeteria, and and you're not with your friend or your friends, and you know you're wanting to sit with somebody at lunch, and again you don't see any friendly faces. I, I, I kind of experienced life that way, at least I did for much of my life, and you know that was um, a couple of things, you know that did definitely contribute to this idea that I needed to be a certain something, but it also put in my mind or my belief system that the acceptance I was seeking was really from other people. And in reality, the acceptance I was seeking was from myself. And once that happened, um, there was just much less of me that had that longing uh, for other people to approve of me or accept me, which is not to say that, um, that we all don't want that and that it doesn't feel uh, hurtful to be rejected, but it ceases to be devastating when you accept yourself regardless of what happens uh, with other people. So after that work on your image, uh, we talked about your relationship with your body um, and how important that is. And I watched a really cool documentary uh, this last week on Netflix. I wanted to recommend to you, it's called Stutz, S-T-U-T-Z. And it's a documentary that Jonah Hill made um, about, he he goes into it thinking that he's making a documentary about his therapist who he's been working with for quite some time and whom he has this really, you know, close relationship and 
you know, this man has really been um, instrumental in him healing and making changes to his life. And um, I won't, uh, I won't say much more about it because I don't want to give away what it's really about. But um, part of his goal in making the documentary was to share these tools that Stutz had shared with him that he was using in his life. And um, Stutz shares a pyramid. And there are three levels. And again, I'm not going to give away um, all of them, but the very bottom of the pyramid, I was so interested um, to see this, is your relationship with your your life force, he calls it, or your ultimately your physical body. And so he views that as the bottom of the pyramid, the, the foundation, basically. And I, I really do agree um, that that is essential to this work, because if you are at odds with your body, which is your partner in this life, um, it, it just makes everything uh, quite difficult. And uh, we also, again, get into that on Lindsay's uh, show, uh, Women Thriving Unapologetically from last week. Uh, step five, after we um, kind of address that relationship with our body is our relationship with food. And I have a deep history with food. I've talked about it a lot on the show. And as I continue to talk about it with other people and to really understand the process that I went through, because the process that I went through happened relatively naturally for me. It was pretty organic. Um, and so now I'm reflecting back on it um, such that I can write about it and explain it. And what I've realized is that mindful eating, which I heard about for many years and I I dismissed, I thought it was not possible. I thought it was something that maybe other people could do or Maybe people could do it who didn't have real problems with food, but certainly someone like me, I identified myself as a food addict and certainly somebody like me is not going to be able to mindfully eat. Um, that is actually not true. Um, after doing all that healing and transitioning out of a, a really wonderfully supportive 12-step uh, food program, I realized that I actually can mindfully eat. And one of the things that I did that I just want to squeeze in here today is I really uncoupled um, food from the size and appearance of my body, which I know sounds a little <laughs> confusing because that's so much what we're taught it is to think about our food as it relates to how we look. You know, are we too big or too small or too this or too that? And it does make it difficult then to build a, a friendly and harmonious relationship with food because it really is complicated by this idea that it's a cause and effect um, in terms of your body. Now, of course, of course, food affects your body. I'm in no way saying that it doesn't. However, in order to hear what our body is telling us, and it really, it really is quite vocal if we listen to it, in order to hear that, we do have to let go of this idea that we're eating for appearance and instead give our body what it needs. And when we give it something and our body says, oh, I don't, this doesn't feel good. I don't like this either because maybe it changes. Maybe it does change the size of our body, but also maybe it hurts our gut or makes our head hurt or whatever else. And so, you know, mindful eating is possible. And so truly, um, listening to yourself and treating yourself with um, unconditional positive regard uh, is incredibly helpful in terms of food. And, you know, I have tons and tons of experience. So if you're struggling with food and you just would like some assistance, um, you can find me at giraffetangooctopus.com and across social media at GTO Coaching. And you can always just send me a question or a message and I'm happy to help you or schedule a, a free call with you and help you that way. Um, step six was to identify your SOS. And that's what I refer to as your source of suffering. Um, and just a, a few quick ways um, that you can do that is pausing. So when you're finding yourself ready to reach for an anesthesia behavior, which, which I'll explain a little bit in the next step, um, give yourself some space. So if you pause at that moment, even though there is a pull, there is a, a tension and a pull that uh, most of us want to get rid of. We want to make it go away. We want to mute it. Um, and so um, if we can put that off, um, just delay it and 
sit with whatever we're feeling or thinking or believing, um, we can sometimes understand what the true source of our suffering might be. Um, and even if we go ahead and reach for the anesthesia after we've done the pause, that's okay because you're building a practice of pausing and having a conversation with yourself and beginning to understand yourself and what is underneath there. And then, you know, if you go ahead and, and do the anesthesia behavior, whatever it is, maybe you eat a lot or you drink or smoke weed or, you know, um, watch TV. That's kind of, that's the one that's still in my life. Um, that's okay because then you have an opportunity to practice compassion um, and to say, well, okay, I guess I needed to do that today. And, you know, this is kind of what the result of it was because it is a typically there's a cause and effect with anesthesia behaviors where the effect is not always something that we um, enjoy or that helps us. It just gives us an opportunity to uh, be compassionate and to give ourselves a, a virtual or a real hug and say, you know what, it's okay. Um, the next moment is a new moment and the next day is a new day. And do remember that pain and suffering are different. Pain is a natural part of life um, for all of us and suffering is optional. Suffering tends to be um, at the hands of a self-hating voice um, that we can get rid of. And then um, step seven is anesthesia behavior. So I mentioned that I do have a few of these um, and the goal is not to eradicate them. As humans, we we hurt, we hurt, and you know, human life is a little bit absurd, and um, there's just lots of things that that happen in life. And so, I'm in no way suggesting that you should just not have any form of comfort. And I'm just suggesting that the ones that are uh, harmful to you, that you learn what those are, and uh, potentially either roll them back so that they're not crossing over into harm or depending on what they are, some of them do maybe need to be completely eradicated if they are really harming you. So um, I did mention TV and, you know, that's been present in my life since early childhood. And, you know, certainly a show or two is fine, no biggie. But if I'm watching until I feel like a pile of mush, um, that tends to bring on a certain malaise. And so I keep a watchful eye on it. However, even when I do it, even when I just sink into it because I'm having a hard time um, or I'm in pain or I just need a break, I think, well, okay, I must have needed to power down and I must have needed a break and and it's a new moment. Um, and one of my favorite little mantras that I developed during all those all those months, actually, uh, it's a couple, it was a couple of years where... I was doing my self-love work and I was mostly alone because it was the pandemic and I lived alone and I, you know, I was working for a chunk of that time as a remote leader in healthcare administration. And so I was in meetings, you know, morning to night on a screen, but that is not the same as having warm in-person human company with a smile that you can see. Um, you know, the few people that I did have in, we of course were masked. And so not seeing anybody's face, not seeing a smile, not getting a hug or giving a hug, not feeling the warmth of another human being of human touch, which, you know, there it's the science is quite clear that simply being touched by another person can completely change your body chemistry and take your stress down. Uh, one of the you know clear examples of that for me is I've had a lot of medical treatment over the years for a variety of things. And there have been times that I've been in a procedure or something that was painful or traumatic and there's a nurse standing there and she just puts her hand on you. You know, she puts her hand on me and um, my whole, like my whole body changes uh, my breath gets a little bit, you know, less up in my chest and I relax a little bit. And there's something about that, that um, it's connective um, because this human life, even when we are with other people, even if you live in a house with other people and you live with your family, it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't feel alone sometimes and that you don't feel like what you're experiencing 
um, is unusual or that maybe nobody else is, is going through what you're going through. And, you know, throughout my life and all of my interactions with, with other people, um, have shown me that while we all are unique, um, most of us typically have experiences that other people also have. And so human contact, human touch is all just incredibly important. And so I would be in my condo and I would be working on my stuff and, you know, maybe I would be having intrusive thoughts, which is pretty common um, for me and certainly was common during that period. Um, if, if there was a fly on the wall, they would have seen me uh, out of nowhere, out of just, I would have been maybe in my kitchen prepping my food and um, you wouldn't be able to tell what was going on in my brain. But out of nowhere, I would just simply say, who gives a crap? Nobody, that's who. Because ultimately, many of the things that we are hard on ourselves about, they're really all happening inside of us or they're behaviors that maybe don't even impact anybody else, right? So if what I'm doing, even if it's not necessarily what I want to be doing or something that I want to change, if I'm not causing harm to anybody else, it's not necessary. Um, it's not necessary to be, uh, you know, overly critical about that. Um, if it's a if it's a behavior that um, causes an impact to somebody else and that's hurtful, um, I do make an amends. I all my years of twelve step um, experience have taught me that um, keeping my own side of the street clean. That's a that's a little twelve step saying that keeping my own side of the street clean is really not for other people. Um, amends, although they can be helpful and healing to other people, they aren't really even for other people. Um, they are for for me. They are for you in order to take responsibility and accountability and make amends and um, to move on. And after you've done that, to forgive yourself um, because you may or may not be forgiven by the other person. And we're going to talk about that uh, when we come back to, to the break from the break, when we get into our two new uh, steps today, the resentments and the boundaries, because um, even when somebody maybe apologizes to us and we think that that's going to clear whatever resentment we're holding, that does not always happen. So we're going to get into that when we come back from the break. You're listening to Freedom for Humans, and we will be right back. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, your host. And uh, before the break, we were just starting to talk about resentments. And I do a deep dive on releasing your resentments on another show. So we're going to do um, kind of an abbreviated version here. 
um, as it pertains to the process of um, implementing self-love in your life. So you, you might have a resentment, you might have more than one, um, you know, there might be somebody out there without one, but boy, they're, they're very, very common. And uh, I'll explain why they're in here and I'll explain why it's an important step. Um, first, what is a resentment? It is a re-experiencing. It is a re-feeling of um, something painful, something that was wounding, something that felt um, unfair to you. And so remember that it's not actually about the thing, the event or the other person, even though it very much feels like it is. It's about the way in which you are re-experiencing it. That is what a resentment is. It does masquerade though as something else. It it sort of um, tricks you into thinking that if somebody would just um, do or say or not do or say or acknowledge or apologize or, or, or that somehow this um, gnawing resentment that you have would be resolved. Now, often they will not. They would just will not do that. They, they won't say the right thing. They won't apologize in the right way. They won't acknowledge you in the way that you want to be acknowledged. It's pretty unusual. Um, if that were going to happen, it probably would have happened already. Um, and so um, that's something that I've experienced a number of times. And even if you can extract it from them, it's not always as satisfying as you might think. Um, there was a documentary a number of years ago. I'm just going to use this uh, example really quick. I've I've just never forgotten, and it actually changed my changed my views. Um, it's about the death penalty, which seems kind of weird, but um, the documentary was about a family whose daughter, I believe it was, had been uh, murdered during a robbery of their pawn shop. And it was just brutal, like, yeah, like unnecessary, like shot in the head, really, just awful. And they they wanted the death penalty. They wanted um, the person who did that to um, be put to death. And they went through years of all the things that happen when somebody uh, commits that kind of a crime and is sentenced to death. And the day came. Um, and they uh, filed into the the viewing room, and not only was the the person's last words not only were they very unsatisfying, um, not a lot of accountability, you know, nothing. I think that that they wanted after that person's life was extinguished, they did not get what they thought they were going to get. They nothing really changed for them, and it was so painful to watch. It was just incredibly painful. And it makes sense to think that that once you've exchanged an eye for an eye, that once this person who has brought so much pain into your life is gone and they've suffered this, you know, the ultimate consequence, that somehow it will free you. And it was such a clear example of how it did not, it did not free them. Um, so while that is an extreme example, it's it really is quite clear in terms of expecting something from the outside to be able to clear that. And resentments are kind of silent killers. Um, we really can't be free until we release them. And cultivating self-love has been one of the most effective strategies and antidotes to resentments that, that I've experienced. Once I really loved and cared about myself, I, I don't want to stew in discomfort. I don't want to be re-feeling and re-experiencing something painful. Um, and I don't I don't want to spin in invasive thoughts about someone else because guess what I cannot control? <laughs> I cannot control somebody else. And so I I boy did I spin this week. So um I have the situation going on and uh here with my partner and he's been having a, a difficult time in his employment. And, um, you know, part of it is the system here. Um, it's, it's difficult. You know, we're both third country nationals here and, and there's not a lot of privilege to that. And um, he's gotten involved, unfortunately, and with some people who it seemed like the, the job was going to be fine, that he was going to be treated appropriately and paid appropriately and all that. And it's just not bearing out that way. And it's been going on for uh, eight months. And so while it is not happening to me, 
Um, it is certainly happening in my life and it has an impact on me. And so it kind of really, um, I kind of hit the wall with it um, because the current job, which is sort of, you know, I thought that I thought <laughs> this is the other thing about expectations and about future tripping. You know, I'm thinking, okay, he's just going to get finally, he's going to get to this job. He's have a regular paycheck and you know, he's managing this restaurant. He's doing a great job and surely they're going to value him and treat him well and pay him appropriately. And that that's not happening. Um, and so when he talked about leaving this job without another one, which is pretty risky here, you have 10 working days um, to change your employer or else you become, I guess, illegal um, and you risk deportation. It's, it's a, yeah. So it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a tough system. And when he talked about leaving the, that job, this, this job um, that, you know, we were thinking, oh, finally, finally, after all these months that, you know, the restaurant is open and, and all of that, I just, I, I said, well, how are you going to pay your bills? And he said, I don't know. And, um, you know, I had earlier that day, actually, I had written, I had written him a statement kind of a boundary. And it was financial in nature because I have helped him a bit because I could see what he was going through. And I, of course, have a lot of empathy. And I also am somebody who very much values and I guess for myself, um, I just I just realized I was about to say to you, expects. I'm someone who expects ugh, personal responsibility or personal accountability. Well, there you go. There you go. Right in this moment, I just saw another thing that's happening that is causing me to suffer. You know, this idea that somebody else is going to view things the way that I do or is going to view their part in things the way that I view it. Um, it's just not, it's just not correct. So anyway, I had written out the statement, which basically was just a boundary that I really couldn't continue to contribute financially. Um, because, um, and I'll, I'll get into this when I talk about the boundary, it's, it's not the right choice for me. It's an overspend and not just in money. Um, it's just a complete overspend. So, you know, the spinning that I was doing, I knew that it was happening. So this is the, the upside of doing this work, you know, and so here's what I'm doing. So when I'm spinning, I'm spinning and I'm in my mind and sometimes out loud when I'm by myself. I'm I'm explaining, I'm speaking to him as if he's here when he's not um, and telling him, you know, all the things that, you know, he should be seeing and doing and all the things that he should change to fix this situation. And why can't he just see that this choice led to this and that this choice led to that? And oh, man, like I was really in it and upset and angry. And it is a road to nowhere's bill. <laughs> except that it is a road to exhaustion and depletion and more resentment. It's way overspending. It yields nothing. It doesn't earn me anything. Um, all that energy and all that emotion, um, it doesn't earn me anything except suffering um, and discomfort. And, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't love him, which I most certainly do. And that's what makes uh, clearing a resentment or, preventing or getting out of it, um, particularly difficult because the emotions are all tied up in it. You're, you have love and you have anger and you have fear and you have grief about, you know, that anticipatory grief about, well, if we can't make the kind of the practicalities of um, our situation and our living situation work, then what happens to our love? Um, and, you know, relationships, particularly intimate partnerships and intimate partnerships where there are shared living arrangements and shared expenses, it requires so much more than love. Um, and I said that to him and, you know, we have, we speak different primary languages and his English is pretty good, but, but his vocabulary is relatively limited and my vocabulary is pretty expansive. And so, 
Uh, he doesn't always tell me. He he listens for tone, but it's very common for him to not tell me when he doesn't understand a word that I'm using, which is something that I've picked up um, over the year plus that we have been together. So that was why when I was feeling in my gut that I needed to set a clear boundary, that was why I wrote it. And I also um, translated it into Turkish so that you know, when the time was right, I, I wasn't sure when I was going to have that conversation or when the time would be right. And lo and behold, that evening, he talked about quitting this particular job um, from which he has been working for more than, I don't know, two months and has not been paid one euro, which is not going to get into why that is or what's going on, but that's um, not right and not okay. And I don't even think legal, but that is the reality of what's happening. So I was spinning and upset and um, angry and all those things. And thankfully, I, I know what that is. I, I knew what I was doing and I knew that it wasn't going to really get me anywhere. I acknowledged that I had to do it. Like I had to do it to get it to get it out of me um, and to work it through. And then I um, started to use all my various tools and my my mantras and my practices and all the things that I do to care for myself in order to clear that resentment. And I think that, you know, one of the things that that popped in for me is that I was married to somebody um, for 17 years who quit job after job after job. He would get a job, become unhappy, quit, get a job, become unhappy, quit. It was hellish. Honestly, it was hellish. And so I think ultimately I got kind of triggered in that way. And it's not fair to use a, a past experience and to overlay that on a current experience because these are two different people and two different situations and and all of that. But what, it, what the common factor is, the common denominator in this is me. And so I think that there was a part of me that had some recrimination perhaps, or this idea like, how, you know, what are you doing? And how, why is this happening again? And, you know, all this stuff. And like, again, not helpful, not helpful. And it, it sort of spins a yarn. It spins a, a narrative that um, when we use compassionate honesty and just tell the truth about what's happening without, you know, hyperbole and embellishment, um, it just, it just is what it is, you know? Uh, my partner is um, struggling with his employment um, and there are financial implications and the stress of it and the financial implications of it are impacting me. That's it. So um, last week when Meadow DeVore was on, we talked about boundaries and I had just uh, written that that thing uh, that I just described to you, I think before I even spoke to her and was reminded when we were talking about what a boundary actually is which thank goodness, right? Thank goodness for the timing of things because I really need it right now. So I'm going to just talk through um, some of what we talked about last week and what I'm actually applying to myself right now. So um, in order to set a boundary, you set the boundary um, and it is something about yourself. It's not about um, what you want the other person to do, which is the mistake that most of us make. And then we spin in trying to make that person do what we told them we need them to do, um, which typically either doesn't happen or happens maybe for a little while and then um, stops because we can't control another person. Um, we can accept another person um, if we choose to um, or not, but we certainly can't control them or make them change. So you set the boundary and then here's the interesting part. You just see what happens. So when you're in, you're in this, like you're kind of spinning in a resentment and you're going through something that's upsetting and scary because you may need to make some changes that you weren't thinking you were going to have to make. All that stuff comes into play. But once you've set the boundary, it's important to just wait and see what happens. And so, um, you know, depending on what happens, even if you don't get the result that you know, you kind of hope for what you are getting is important information. So it, it is really crucial not to try to manipulate any type of outcome. And I will freely admit that this um, can be a struggle for me um, 
to to want to tell somebody else like, hey, don't you see this? Or haven't you tried? What about if you tried that? Or what about that? And you know, when someone's open to that and they they would like uh, my assistance or my input or my opinion, that's all well and good. But when they're going through what they're going through, sometimes the last thing in the world that they need or want to hear is all of my input. And then what am I doing? I'm overspending. I'm overspending and then I feel depleted because there's not really any much coming back to me uh, from what I've just spent because the person doesn't even really want it from me. So um, you you set the boundary and you see what happens. And depending on what happens, you take that information in and use it um, for yourself. And then if the boundary is breached or not respected in some way, you move away. And, you know, interestingly, Meadow talked about physically moving away. Um, and so there may be ways that you can figuratively move away, but also this idea that you can physically move away if your boundary is is breached or not respected, I think is um, incredibly important and is one of the things that I'm having to consider, even though um, I don't really want to. Yep. Um, so um, boundaries are not about controlling the other person's values or beliefs or behaviors. Again, that's something that I can get pulled into to try to kind of um, maybe offer a different perspective to somebody, but I can do that in a bit of a strong way. And so, you know, again, it's an overspend and um, boundaries are really about my, they're about you. They're about my values and my beliefs and my behaviors. Um, and so, you know, because I, I did lend some financial support um, to, to just help him get to this job, the one that he's currently in, knowing just the, the, oh, it's been so, it's been a journey, really a stressful, difficult journey. And so I was already feeling like, you know, I can't, I can't do anymore from a couple of different perspectives. Um, first, I, you know, um, I'm building, um, I'm building a new business and I've invested a lot of my hard earned resources into creating something that allows me to live my purpose and to help other people. And ultimately it needs to pay for my life. And that's my responsibility. That's not anybody else's. So what am I doing? If I give my limited resources away and I really don't earn anything from it. And then I see with my eyes and my ears and I feel that it is potentially providing a band-aid um, to what this person, my partner is going through. It's a bit of an enabling behavior in a way. And I was finding that not only does it not make uh, financial sense to continue to do that, but my, I physically in my body feel like I can't do it. And so setting that boundary saying, you know, I see that you're struggling. I see that you're in this job that, you know, you're, you're really, um, really having a hard time in, um, working tons and tons of hours and still not being paid and all these things that I've seen him experience thus far. Um, I still, I still really, had to set this boundary. So that was um, not easy. But part of what makes this life affordable, this this life here in Malta, this kind of um, back and forth life that I live between Malta and the US is that I have shared expenses here um, and shared being the operative word. So you know, I, can't, um, I can't cover those, right? So um, after spinning in, in my resentment and setting the boundary and reiterating the boundary and having very uncomfortable um, conflict and pondering, you know, my options at the end of my current 90 day stay here. Um, here I sit with a boundary, uh, waiting to see what happens. Um, I am willing to move myself away um, in a variety of, you know, I have a variety of options. Um, that is the thought of that is surreal and painful. Um, so I'm finding that I have what's called anticipatory grief, which, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that the thing that I am anticipating happening will happen. Um, so I'm also trying to manage that and stay in the now because in the now, um, while there is some stress um, and certainly 
you know, some unknown, which is always the case with life, uh, things are okay. Things are okay. So I am waiting to see what happens. And ultimately, I choose myself. Um, I must choose myself. And so after, you know, spinning in the resentment and um, realizing that that was the boundary that I needed to set it, you know, there are some other things, obviously, he doesn't come home in the best mood. And, you know, that's all, that's sometimes not um, the most fun to be around. But when I really look at what cuts through, what cuts through it all, um, and what protects me, what cuts through language, what cuts through expectations about partnership that might be different between our two cultures, all those things. This is so concrete and so real and so important um, that it can't really be breached, right? It can be pushed. Um, that boundary can be pushed on, um, which will give me some information if that happens, but it can't be breached because in order for it to be breached, I have to um, I have to overspend. I have to not have my own back. Um, and I would have to really do something that is enabling. Um, that is not right for me. And I believe it's it's not right for him either. However, um, I also accept that I don't know what is right for him. I don't know what is right for anybody else. I only know what is right for me. And I only know that uh, because of the work that I've done, because I value myself, because I'm able to have a conversation with myself about these things, um, and to make a practical plan. Um, the other thing that I've done recently um, that is, uh, how do I put it? I guess growth is what I would call it. Um, I, I typically, before being a perfectionist, when I would go through something difficult, I, I think I had a sense of embarrassment about it or something. And so I would kind of hide it. And I've not done that. I've talked to three friends and my mom and have gotten you know, wonderful support and truth telling and feedback, um, which is so important. So if you're going through something, if you are struggling with a resentment, if you are needing to set a difficult boundary, um, don't forget to reach out to the people in your life that you trust. Um, and I am also here to help you in all the ways that I talked about before. You can find me at giraffetangooctopus.com and we could do a free session um, and work through something. If you're not you know, really sure about ongoing coaching, I'm always happy to do a session with you. And you can also reach out to me across social media at GTO Coaching. And that is it for today. Um, thank you for listening. I hope you've heard something uh, that's helpful to you. And I will keep you posted um, on what's going on with me. And next week, we're going to do that fun show with my mom. So um, have a great week and uh, love yourself, free yourself, be yourself, and dance your own tango. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope we have helped you learn to love yourself unconditionally and accept and celebrate everything that makes you, you. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode. And in the meantime, dance your own tango.